0: You know, sometimes you don't have to say a lot to say a lot, right? Oh, Ricky, even less is more. <laughs> less is more. Um, and I mentioned this last week, but you know, maybe somebody should have told that to Martin Luther. He he wrote a commentary on this chapter, and it was six pages long. I promise you, mine's not that way. Uh, just two verses. This is the shortest chapter in the Book of Psalms, the shortest chapter in the Bible, and um, it's kind of cool. But we come tonight to the exact middle chapter in the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. And right here in the middle of God's Word, we've got a couple of verses that encourage us to do really what the entire book has so far, Uh, encourages us to praise the Lord. Uh, And it is, once again, we've been going over these for a few uh, weeks now, about the last six. This is another Hallel Psalm, and um, like them, this one has no superscript, doesn't tell us who the human author was or what the context exactly is. Being a Hallel song, we know it was sung at Passover. I do believe it was David who got inspired to pen these words to us. Most theologians, if there's not a name um, put there, they usually ascribe it to David. And um, how does the Bible describe him? How does the Bible describe David? Yeah, boy, you know, all right. First Samuel... 1 Samuel 13, 14, it's repeated in Acts 13, 22. a man after God's own heart, meaning a man that God chose to lead his people, uh, a man who, no, he was not perfect, we know that, uh, but a man who had a heart that was cons- consistently committed um, to love what God loves and to always quickly submit his will to God's. And as far as that goes, we should have a David-like desire, I would say especially in what he reveals here in Psalm 117. Let's read these two verses, and we'll pray and go through it. It says, O praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for these two verses that you've set apart here as a, a short little song. There's so much truth in here uh, we I joke about a commentary thirty six pages long, but it would not be hard to do that because your merciful kindness is great toward us, and your truth endures forever it's your faithfulness endures forever and because it it does um, anytime we talk about you or think about you or sing about you, that should endure forever as well. God I pray you reveal um the powerful truths that you have in these two little verses here in the middle of your word i pray that tonight um, we want to just be more informed about what you are talking about here in psalm 117 but you would use your word that's alive and powerful that transforms lives use it to do that in our lives in jesus name amen so uh i mean we definitely can tell from verse one that paul or paul david paul had one too I'm getting ahead on a Sunday. David had a missional, a missional desire. Um, look at verse 1. It says, praise ye the Lord. Who? Who is supposed to do that? Everyone. All All ye nations. All ye people. Now let me ask you a question. Do all the nations and all the people praise the Lord? No. <laughs> that, that's not the case at all. Probably it seems like less and less, if anything. Um, now we, we who are God's people Do. Not, and not the way we probably should all the time. Um, but we, we do. We've already done that even this evening. We'll do it after we go through this uh, chapter. And, and we should. We should because that's our purpose. That is literally why God saved us, to glorify him, to enjoy relationship with him through our faith in Christ. But no, not, not all people do that. What verse 1 is is telling all people to do. Not all people praise the Lord, even in our own nation. In fact, I mean, there used to be more, and now it's less and less even here in America. Um, And so God gave us a mission. (laughs) He gave us a mission to see that change, a mission for us to point people to the joy that we have in Jesus, urging them to be reconciled to relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And, And David's missional desire is clear here. And I hope you understand that that was God's intent for his people all the time. The Great Commission does not start in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, and 20 or Acts one eight, with the here, there and everywhere. It was always God's intent for his people to reflect his glory in the nations and to call them to faith in him. If We went a few chapters back in Psalm 96.3, God urged those who are his there. He said, declare my glory among the nations, my marvelous deeds among the people's. Uh, we could go all the way back to the first five books uh, of the Bible, to the Pentateuch, and especially like Exodus and Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and, and we can see that when God called his people out to be his people, and then he, he was with them in the wilderness, and he was going to uh, help them have victory in Canaan, and he said, the whole reason I want you to be my people and to follow my law is so that these other nations around me, so, around you, so, so that they see me and you. You're to reflect my glory to them. That's always God's intent for His people. How how did they do in the Old Testament? Poorly. Poorly. Nah, not so well. Poorly. Instead of doing that, they got complacent. I mean, they were quite satisfied that they were God's people, and in um, general, they were not altogether too awful concerned about anybody else knowing God uh, like they did. Or experiencing his blessing. And we ought to be careful that we don't ever fall into that same mistake. But, but David here, David was a bit of an outlier as far as that goes. Um, he had a missional desire. He planned and he prepared for his son Solomon to build God a permanent temple. No, no more just a tabernacle. No more just a tent. He wanted to build God a temple. God said, you can't do it. Your son Solomon will. And before David died, he made plans. He made preparations, funding for that to happen, for God to have a temple. But not just for God's people. When Solomon dedicated the temple to God, he prayed in First Chronicles 6, uh, 32 and 33, that those foreigners who were not Israelites, that when they would hear, when they would hear of God's great name, and when they would hear of God's mighty hand, that they would come and worship at the temple too. You probably remember Matthew twenty-one thirteen. Jesus is in the temple and he's casting out all the money changers and people who had turned God's house into something it wasn't supposed to de- be. And Christ refers to both David's intent and God's intent when Jesus says, you know, God has designed this to be a house of prayer for all nations. And as a Hallel Psalm, sung at Passover, just like the ones we studied before this, Jesus sang this song. That night, at the Last Supper, in that upper room, as verse 1 left his lips, I want you to think about this. All nations and all peoples coming to know him as Savior, that was on our Savior's heart. And hours later, he would go to Calvary's cross to, to die for them, for all of them. David had a missional desire, and so should we. That, that's a man after God's own heart desire. David also has a motivated desire. If you look at the beginning of verse 2, so we're to praise the Lord, and we want, we want what God wants. We want all nations and all peoples to praise the Lord. What's our motivation to be missional? What's our motivation to praise the Lord? Verse 2, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. So we're motivated to praise the Lord. We're motivated to missionally seek that others would join us. And praising the Lord for two reasons here. We're given two motivations. First of all, because of God's great kindness, his merciful kindness to us. And in Hebrew, it's that word we find all the time in the Psalms, chesed is the Hebrew word. In King James, it's often mercy. Uh, and sometimes some new translations might say steadfast love. But what it's talking about there is God's gracious, undeserved, but totally dependable covenant loyalty and love to us. And secondly, the truth of the Lord that endures forever. But let's go back to reason number one. In the Hebrew, it actually says it twice. It says, praise him for his chesed chesed. That's how great it is. It's repeated twice to powerfully remind us that God's merciful kindness, merciful kindness, his his steadfast love, his steadfast love toward us, that should quite naturally motivate us to do what verse one said, that we should be praising the Lord. And we should desire to see others do it too. It says, His steadfast love, His merciful kindness for those who are His is great. And in the Hebrew, the word is gabar. Great, in that sense, doesn't mean great as in large, um, big, expansive. Uh, in the Hebrew, that term implies rather power. We could say, His merciful kindness or His steadfast love for us is powerful, it's infinitely strong. And so it deserves powerful praise. And it deserves powerful passion for others to praise him. How strong, how, I want you to think about it. How strong, how powerful is God's merciful kindness to us in Jesus Christ? What does his grace do? It takes us from spiritual death to spiritual life. It resurrects us. What does his grace do What well, we sing about it? Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that can part it. Cleansed from sin. It's greater than all of our sin. Another hymn I was reminded of this afternoon He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets a prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. It's great, great merciful kindness. And we often find in Scripture, especially in the Psalms, these two things combined His mercy and his truth, um, coupled together. I don't know about you, but I'm very glad that in a world that has ignorantly declared truth as being unobtainable and subjective, you have your truth, I have my truth. Those who are the Lord's, we know that's not the case. We have truth right here, unchanging truth. Isn't it the greatest blessing to know that we have objective truth? a compass we can rely on. Truth that doesn't change with the winds of culture. Truth that endures forever, like it says here in this verse. Uh, a, a truth that it says in Psalm 119, it's a lamp for my feet, it's a light for my path as I travel through this dark world. Then King James says truth, but in the Hebrew word, the idea also contains a concept of faithfulness. So coupled together with his merciful kindness, what we're told here is that we're to praise the Lord, we're to passionately work for others to join us in doing so, Because God's mercy is great and so is his faithfulness. It is great, isn't it? When we sang that Sunday together over in the gym, morning by morning, new mercies I see. They were there when I needed them, when I woke up. They endure forever. His powerful grace, his truth, it'll be there tomorrow. And the next day, as long as as we have a need for them. And so those are two pretty good motivations for us to worship the Lord and work that others would do so as well. There's one more thing here that God communicates through David about David. Uh, he had a modeled desire, and we are too as well. I want you to look at the very last sentence. It says, praise ye the Lord. Four words in English, one word in Hebrew, hallelujah, and that's how Psalm 117 concludes verse 2. So, verse 1 was directed to those who are not yet God's people, all the nations, all the peoples. And verse 2 addresses we who are God's people. Verse 1 commanded, it, it invited those who are not yet God's people to turn to Him and to praise the Lord. Verse 2 does the same for us who are already God's people. We're to praise the Lord, and in doing so, by our own testimony, we, we will be inviting those who are not yet his people to worship and trust in and, and treasure our Lord and Savior as well. I hope I, I'm being clear here. This is a model desire. When you and I live out, uh, verse 1 and the first part of verse 2, when we praise the Lord and, and when we celebrate his merciful kindness, that's so great, and his enduring truth, his faithfulness to us, um, real credibility Real credibility is given to the gospel that you and I declare. And whether that's verbally or handing out a track, and and when we we tell people, man, uh, this is my great hope. Jesus Christ died for my sins, uh, and I'm saved, and I'm his forever. When we tell people that, when that's backed up because our consistent testimony is one of always praising Jesus Christ. It gives some real power, real credibility to the gospel that we declare. Uh, And we do praise the Lord. We praise him on Wednesday. We praise him on Sunday a few times a a day together as his people. But that's not the complete, total idea here. Um, I mean, we praise him when we come together in corporate worship. But there's there's not any, like... um, clauses here, or asterisks, or bullet points that say praise the Lord just that, we're to praise Him all the time, right? No matter what's happening in our life, and um, praising Him on the sunny days, but also praising Him when life is really not going too well. Praising Him in the storms, Not just praising him when we come together for corporate worship, but but praising him in every sphere of our life, on every occasion in our lives. That's when we give some real credibility to the gospel that we declare. I can't emphasize this uh, enough. We're reminded, just in those last four words, that the gospel that we share, it's either going to be powerful or it's going to be weakened based on how you and I, how and when you and I, as Jesus followers, Choose to praise God. The gospel we share, it's either going to be powerful or it's going to be weakened by how and when you and I as followers of Jesus choose to praise God. John MacArthur, he said this, you're the only Bible some people will ever read and your life is under scrutiny every day. You might not even know people are reading you, but they are. What what are others going to learn from you? are you giving them an accurate picture of your God? And that's what David's calling us to to do here. May we be men and women after God's own heart. May we be a people that that were so smitten by the great merciful kindness and enduring truth from our Lord and Savior that we've got a David-like desire to do that one thing that Jesus asks us to do as we await his return or his calling us home we're inviting others to join us. And may we always do that in concert with living a life of praise that would make them actually want to. Accept the invitation we extend to them. Said here, his kindness and his truth endure forever. And then so should our praises. And so I'm asked Tommy and the praise team to come up tonight and help us start that together, at least here this evening. His... Merciful kindness, a steadfast love endures forever. His truth, his faithfulness does, and then so should our praises. Will you all stand and sing with them?